Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of the Pivoted Success podcast, hosted by our friend Sean Cochran from TCC Canada, myself, Jared Goldsmith from ESACS. And today, I'm very pleased to be welcoming, uh, actually, a mentor of mine uh, since I started my first business, Sax Appeal, back in 2011, Majid, like magic, Magarban. Majid, thank you so much for joining us today. Pleasure to be here, as always. Thank you for the invitation, Jared. Great, Majid. So let's start a little bit. You have quite a varied background. You traveled a lot. You learned a lot. And now tell us a little bit about who you are. Who is Majid? I am actually, you're looking at Majid 3.0. I've done, this is the third rebrand. Okay, this is 2020, 2021 rebrand. Um, what started off my motivational speaker career was a story about starting a snow cone business as a 16 year old on a bicycle. And I taught entrepreneurship in high schools and how to start a business because I had started five businesses before I was 21. So always this entrepreneurial vibe until I discovered travel and travel was like, how do I go to cool places? And oh, so I had this entrepreneurial yeah. When you were growing up, was entrepreneurship yeah. in your family or was it just something that you said, hey, this is so cool I'm, and I'm going to just go, go, do, 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 do? No, my dad would always tell me, Majid, you can do whatever you want as long as it's a doctor, a lawyer or an engineer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. My dad was very always supportive. My mother was always supportive, but we did not have entrepreneurs in our family. And money mindset was such an interesting thing because in our family, we made this much money. And if we wanted to get wealthier, we would just not spend it, save it, right? Don't spend, save was kind of the strategy to build wealth. Never was the question, how do I make more money? Sell more, you know, that was not how we thought about money. And so for travel for me was this like, this like going on vacation is a thing that rich people do with airplanes and other countries and passports, but we don't have the money for that. Mm. So I could have asked, how do I make lots of money to buy plane tickets and hotel rooms? But instead I asked the question, how could I get paid to travel? Because we Persians were very thrifty, all right? My dad taught me this, like figure out how to do it for free, get it for cheap, do it for free. So how do I get paid to travel? And looking into my experience as a speaker and a performer and an actor in high school, I really loved the theater and all that. Yeah. I thought I could be a motivational speaker and they get paid to travel they get flown out to conferences on the other side of the world and their hotels paid for. That's and a I think they even get it. That you're looking for. Right. So the question was, how do I get paid to travel? And that was the founding question of my career. And as technology like this has allowed us as, you know, motivational speakers or as teachers or as coaches, we can now travel through digital presentations like this one. Then the question became, how do I go to cool places and come home with more money than I left with? because I don't necessarily need to be paid to speak or paid to travel, but I want to go to cool places and come back with more money than I left with. Sure, sure. Yeah. So now then, let's talk about COVID, Majid. How were you affected? I mean, the travel stopped. How did you take this, you know, when, when everybody was faced with the situation? Existential crisis. Complete and total existential crisis. Uh, because it was like, yeah, my reason for not my reason for living, but like I make money in my business so that I can spend it on travel. That's why I make money. Mm -hmm. Right. And if I can't travel, we got a problem. Who am I now? Who am I now? So COVID hit. There I was 
in a mansion in Portugal <laughs> with 18 expert speakers from the United States and Canada in an 11 bedroom, 30 bed mansion with our friend Paul Newton as the resident book publisher and chef. And we get the call at three o'clock at night, three o'clock in the morning, they're shutting down the borders. And I had to make the call. As the leader of the retreat, everyone's asleep. I decide I'm gonna wake everybody up. We wake everybody up. Two people freak out and they go straight to the airport at three o'clock in the morning. Everyone else who wake up, we're like, are we staying in Portugal? The world changed overnight. I had an event that I was emceeing for 200 potential clients of mine. The event got canceled, but it went digital. And instead of 200 attendees, it had 3,000 attendees. Then they did it again six months later, 10,000 attendees. We're doing it again this weekend, 7,000 attendees. Wow. Was, was that good or bad for the business? Really good, right? Yeah. So we're thinking a little bit differently about speaking. But when I came home and did a shutdown, lockdown, stay home, you remember those two weeks that we're still kind of doing right now, the two weeks at the beginning? Well, one, I was lucky that my business really already is entirely online. I just like to have these retreats in really cool places. That's just a fun thing we get to do. Haven't been doing those anymore. But then thinking differently about speaking is, I used to speak to a room full of 20 people. Now this weekend I'm speaking to 7,000 attendees. Oh, you, you know what? Days. And that's one of the major um, considerations that people have probably realized by now. Your reach is not just your city or your municipality yeah. or your area. Yeah. Or a country, it's global. Yeah, and that's so the pivot that I've realized as well. Uh, hosting virtual events, you know, my market's not Ottawa, Ontario, Canada anymore. Most of my clients, you are a global, you're a global leader. You're now a global leader. You're among the top one percent of the top one percent of people who run digital events, and it's never been more needed than today. So I think as you're pivoting, you think to yourself, "What is a new challenge that has never been more needed today that I'm perfectly positioned to help?" How does COVID create opportunities for me? There's a lot of questions like, when is this going to be over? Oh, yeah. And yeah. why are they shutting it down? And it's, why do we have to wear masks? all the time that people are waiting with their head under their pillows, they're crying yeah. every night, waiting for life to get normal. And then you have the other percentage of the population say, oh, okay, this is the reality now, the new reality, if you will. Let's do something about it. How are we going to change and, and adapt to thrive in this uh, new situation? Those of us who have you know, present company included, we tend to be, we tend to be doing very well, but others are still waiting for our government handouts and waiting for the business to open and not doing anything about it. That's unfortunate. Um, so that's why we're, we're doing this podcast is to hear some other inspirations and words of wisdom. Uh, Sean, let's bring it over to you. Yeah, Majid, I was going to ask when you were in uh, Portugal, did you have issues coming back and did you have a number of other live events that you had planned for the rest of the year that immediately sort of went up in smoke? Thank you for asking. Yes. Um, so my specific situation in Portugal was I had a week left on my trip and everything was shutting down. Like things were closing and people were like, I don't know what's happening, but stay home. This is like March 19th. People at, remember I told you I woke people up at three o'clock in the morning. They were all looking at flights. You can hear people screaming down the hall. It's $5,000 to fly one way home. Oh no, wait, sorry. It's seven. It's $10,000. Book it now. It's 10,000. And then they're, they're gone. The flights are gone. And we were like, oh, what are we going to do? <clears throat> 
so I called my insurance company with, uh, I book flights on this credit card that has a travel insurance that if there's some sort of interruption and uh, they say, yeah, just book the flight, just get home, we'll pay for it. 2,500 bucks I paid. So I got on a one-way flight, 2,500 bucks, tried to figure out how to file an insurance claim. That's not my strength. That's not my zone of genius, okay? But I eventually got it done. And then I get an email that says, oh, you're qual it doesn't qualify. And I'm like, all right, whatever, whatever. So I'm moving past it, like emotionally as a Persian, like the money, I ha have to make peace, but it's gone. <laughs> I had other events <clears throat> scheduled in Canada. As you know, in Canada, we're very inhospitable right now. If they get in, they have to detain for 14 days without seeing the light of the day. Um, so I had to cancel my May event. Didn't get the money back on that. With the, with the downtown hotel. I'm at the Andaz in the Byward Market, if you must know. Yeah, nice hotel. Um, love that place, my favorite place. The rooftop, sunset at the rooftop. I mean, I had this whole plan orchestrated with the opening night. With the, it's, it's gonna be great. When the borders open up, it's, it's happening. So I had a couple of events, yes. And I pivoted under the assumption that I can deliver all the value and then some over Zoom. I just miss real people. Like I like seeing people. Now so, you talk about experiences. <clears throat> yeah. How can virtual events still offer, well, one, the, the type of wisdom you want to impart and two, uh, the experience that people have, you know, people are zoomed out, they're tired. They don't want to sit yeah. through a five hour conference or, or workshop. You know, how, how as, as a professional okay, great speaker. Question. Great question. I have a belief that I choose to be true as a world-class facilitator, MC, speaker, event maker, experience maker, that I take full responsibility for the physiology of my audience. From the music, to the smells, to the movement, to the food, it's orchestrated mm -hmm. so that they have a peak physiological experience. I take them on a ride, an emotional ride. We laughed, we cried, we hugged, we high-fived. And I break the physical barrier. In a digital event, there's nothing to touch. You're just another face on a screen, just like another YouTube video. I might as well be doing the laundry while we're doing this. I'm not really here. But what I do when I get a client, the first thing I do is I send them a journal, a pen, a mug, and it's their new favorite mug, okay? It's kind of cheeky, it's the perfect size, it's a nice mug. You send them a crappy mug, it gets relegated to the back of the cupboard. This must be better than their current best mug. <laughs> Why? Because when they have a warm, chemically infused drink, as we tend to put into our cups, kind of make us feel good, and we're associating the brand. So I'll tell you what, if I have a live event, I have a live event this week, I got five people showing up on Zoom for two days straight. You better believe they're holding my mug. You better believe they're holding my pen and my notebook. So we, I have a physical tactile connection to them. I personally use a fulfillment center in Chicago. There's one I can recommend to you in Toronto, by the way, if you want a Canadian distribution. But every time I get a new person, bop, 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 info in, they get a box of swag. All right? Yeah. So I get them up and moving. I say, I put on salt and pepper, push it. Why? Because it was number one when they were in high school. So they freak out. It brings them back just like this. So I go to YouTube. I go salt and pepper, push it. I go to Zoom or if you're using this platform. You know, I, when, when you're on Zoom, you click share. 
share screen, and then there's a little click box you got to click in the lower left corner called share computer sound. That's going to make the audio go through clean. And then I get them up. I tell them to stand up. I say, pretend like you're taking a seat without a chair there and stand back up. And that's a squat. Let's do 20. Come on, baby. And then I make a joke and I say, I missed my calling as an aerobics instructor, but I'm making up for it now. Let me see you do five, six, seven. Keep going. We're doing 20. And then when they get back, they're laughing, they're breathing, their body's pumping. If we don't do this, yes, yes. Ah, <laughs> I'm doing my squats. <laughs> oh, there we go. So I'm getting the thing up and running. We <clears throat> do it for my Facebook Live audience here. Here we go. <laughs> hey, who knew we'd be right. getting dinner and a show today? <laughs> now here's a here's a funny little uh, twist of fate. Facebook and YouTube, they're always listening to us. They're always listening. And when we play copyrighted music, they cut the stream. And when you got 7,000 attendees dancing to Salt and Pepper Push It, and the conference gets cut, uh oh. That, that could be some so, major uh, disruptions there. Yep. So we're looking for royalty free music. Unfortunately, I can't bring them back to the moment where they're, because I do playlists and I, you know, you can really change someone's state with the right song. Yeah, sure. When they've recognized it, because it brings them back. Well, you, you know, Michi, um, we were talking earlier about sharing the other screen. Well, yeah, um, I didn't think about it at the time, but absolutely. Um, so if this is what the other floor area looks like. There it is, folks. So if you, if you want to yeah, pass the camera around so you can see. Uh, anyways, I'm, I'm not here to promote the platform. I want to hear more about, you know, Michi, yeah, it's how cool. you've adapted and whatnot, but... All I have to say is, yeah, there are organizations yeah. and people out there who have adapted quite well. To yeah. So let's talk about how outside of your business, Majid, uh, is, can you talk that how are you helping other people to adapt? Mm. So, you know, I've taken a sort of political, philosophical uh, way of being through the pandemic. It's my contribution. And what it is, is um, a savage and ruthless pursuit of joy, despite outlawing having fun. Is that from the dancing side or, or just the mentality? Well, I'm in Quebec. I'm in Quebec. And there's an eight o'clock curfew. It's illegal to have more than one person in your house, $10,000 fine. Businesses are shut down because they don't even want to open because they got to card Ontarians. If they can't serve Ontarians, they got to ask for it. Anyway, so I formed this gang called the Secret Sunrise Gang. And we're, in, we're anywhere between five and 10 people who watch the sunrise together at a secret location. We've had the cops called on us twice. Really? Yeah. For sunrise. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I don't know if it's illegal to be gathering outside without masks or whatever it is. But um, so I'm creating connection, community, and the piece that's really missing in, in the pandemic is like, you know, we can't be around people. So I'm getting us around people. I'm getting us around nature. And um, people who are freaked out by people standing close to each other should avert their eyes and stay home, stay safe, and save lives, as they say on the TV over and over. 
Um, so I actually traveled more last year than any other year. I traveled 149 days. And I did the opposite of social distancing, whatever that is. I think it's called hugging everybody. So um, I don't know if I spread the virus, but I did intend to spread good vibes. So, and for me, I take responsibility for my vibe and my happiness. And so my job and my contribution is to do what makes me happy now, because I tried waiting until they let us have fun again, but I got really impatient. Like on the third day, I was watching Tiger King on Netflix. And then I'm like, all right, I'm ready to go. The first time I traveled, I thought, my thought was, I can't put this on social media. It's offensive. Just think about all the people who would be very upset with me, <laughs> who would accuse me of maybe, you know, prolonging the pandemic and unflattening the curve and whatever else. Or us for those who, who might have lost their family members. Because someone who lost a family member, someone who's in a situation where they don't want to put a family member at risk and they're feeling very, that it's unfair to see someone else traveling or to see someone else gathering. Sure. And so I didn't want to post online until I felt like it was my duty to let the people know, not in an arrogant, show-offy looking what I'm doing, but to invite the people to decide if they want to, to move about the world outside of their house. And so it's a risky thing. And what I had to really play with in my own mind is my dependence on other people's approval hmm. and my fear on other people's disapproval well, how would you deal with this on, let's say, on social media? You talk about your travel at so-and-so place, and, and then somebody or multiple people might say, you know, Najid, that's not a really appropriate these days. I mean, there must have been some sort of backlash. I, I mean, there has been. There's been a significant backlash from people that I care dearly about. Significant because I make it significant. There's also been a, I would say, multi-six-figure financial impact on uh, the loss of a certain partnership. Maybe it was related to this, maybe it wasn't, but the person basically said, based on your politics, I can't do business with you. Um, you know, everything's political and we're influencers and we have a voice and some people are choosing to have a very active uh, campaign of uh, dissension against the uh, laws that are being passed or the rules that are being made for public health or whatever it's called. Um, I'm choosing a more um, personal path that I'm connecting with people who are on a similar path and supporting each other. And the game that I'm playing, that I'm trying to win at is every day I ask myself, what would make today the best day of my life? Well, the answer always includes, the answer always includes watch the sunrise and watch the sunset. So I try to fit that into the day. But as far as traveling, like, I'm not trying to get arrested. I've done four quarantines. They say in Canada, if you walk outside, you could go to jail for a year. Well, I'm streaming this on Facebook and hopefully they don't knock on the door in a minute, but between you and me and Facebook and the internet, I went on a walk, okay? So then if you're living in a society where you're breaking the laws, 
I don't know. So it's a it's uncomfortable situation. What I can tell you is I spent a very large number of days in Texas and Florida in the last year because there ain't no pandemic in Texas and Florida because there's no masks and shutdowns. I'm sure people are getting the flu, but. Well, you know. you know, I mean, we're not here to talk about the, the political side of um, uh, the pros and cons, of the government or not, or if there's a pandemic or not. Um, we're just hearing like, let's talk about what are you really. Actually, let me pass it over to Sean. Sean uh, hasn't had a chance to chat much. So, Sean, over <laughs> you, please. Majid, I was just going to ask, I, I just going back to what you were talking about, about the um, delivery of swag and things when you have a new client yep. join. Yep. Uh, I've attended, I don't know how many Zoom conferences or other things over the last year and a bit. And the couple that sent me something engaged me so much more. And it sounds stupid, but it's not. It was yeah. a mug for my coffee. It was some yeah. snacks. It was a notebook. It was yes. little things that are going to be sitting in front of you anyway. And when you're having that snack or you're drinking your coffee or whatever it is, you're thinking of that group and those Feel people. Feel good stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's such a really impactful um, tool and just being able to engage people in this remote uh, sort of situation. Do you find mm. that other than that, there's other tactics that you've used to be able to engage a bit more now that everybody's completely remote? Yeah. When's the last time someone sent you flowers? Never. <laughs> um, I send flowers when my clients uh, buy my big program. And I don't tell them I'm sending them flowers because it's part of the fun. It's a surprise, mm -hmm. right? Um, when I have a podcast guest, in my uh, Calendly appointment scheduler form, put your name, put your email, give me your physical mailing address. I'm going to send you something in the mail, winky, winky. They don't know what it is, but I want a mailing address, right? Um, and there's an automation there. It sends an email to my assistant. My assistant sends out the form and we get the package to the podcast guest before the podcast is filmed. Um, so the element of surprise. Now, there's a great book called Giftology. It goes into the science of gifting, and it's written by a guy called John Rulin, and he is the head of a custom gift company. And he introduced me to this concept called cost per use. So he, he was a Cutco salesman. Cutco is these like $200 chef knives. Okay. And he would get them engraved with laser, not with his name, not with his logo but with the recipient's name and logo. Custom made, one of a kind. The idea is how often do you use a chef's knife? Probably, let's say, at least once a day. How long do you keep a chef's knife like this? Forever. Call it 10 years, right? 3,650 uses. And every time you have a guest over and, you're, and they go, nice knife, where'd you get it? Oh, let me tell you about the guy. And now you have some passive advertisement. You have a recurring, every time you touch the knife, you think of the gift, you think of the guy, right? Now, what if it was a crappy knife? <laughs> That's a liability, man. What if it was the same amount of money, $200, but on flowers? Now I've spent over $200 on flowers delivered. I like to be the guy who sent the flowers that was the nicest flowers you ever had in your whole life. Because at least in that position, you hold a spot in their mind, as opposed to how many impressions do you get on a flower? Daily for a week, 
Seven impressions. So $200 divided by seven is about $30 per impression. But $200 divided by 3,650, which is the number of knife uses, we're talking, look, two cents an impression, right? So a really mathematical, really methodical method for thinking about what to gift and what to give, I really believe in the, in the it's got to be better than your current best. If I sent you a crappy mug, I've gotten swag with a mug. I look at it and I go, this ain't better than my current best. And I throw it away or I give it to charity. The guy who wrote the book, John Rulin, he, one of his favorites was a leather with custom uh, your initials in like a gold um, embroidery on a golf bag, on a golf nice. ball holder, a golf ball holder that you like tie to your golf bag. I'm not a golfer. I don't know what this thing is. But think about the association. It's leather. It feels good. You're getting sun. You're talking with your guys on the golf course and you're associating that moment to that gifter. Hey, where'd you get that nice custom embroidered golf bag? Oh, let me tell you about the guy. Yeah. So think of the scenario that your swag is going into. High quality, better than your current best. It's got to feel good. It's got to feel good in your hand. You got to, you got to, mm. I, my goal, and I haven't quite achieved this goal and I, I got to think about this. How do I get it so that when my swag box arrives, they can't not take a picture and a video and post it. It's that good. Yeah. You, you know, I'm not there yet. It, it, well, there's always room for improvement. Yes. <laughs> uh, even those of us who, who are at, at the cutting edge of our, of our career, cutting edge, that guy was sharp, by the way. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, you, you know, yeah, I've, I've got my Saxfield mugs, but, but nobody's hosting nice. music these days. So I, I have hundreds of them sitting downstairs and I don't, I'm not giving them out. But all I have to say is um, in six months from now, let's say, what are you most excited about? It sounds like mm. life is still going. You're living life day to day. You're enjoying life. You're doing what you want. But how will things change in, say, six to 12 months from now? Mm. Let's say in society or maybe you might be changing some of your, the way you do business. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of directions I can go with this one, Jared. Um, first of all, my guess is as good as anybody else's and I've really shortened my future horizon for planning. I don't do five year plans. I don't do 20 year plans. I do not do 12 month plans. Plans are out the window for me, man. Okay. Now for me personally, uh, 2020 was a bit of a double whammy. There was the pandemic and there was a surprise marriage separation with kids hmm. that I wasn't expecting. So I'm like, okay, that whole future I was thinking about, pff, scrap it, what are we doing? And like I mentioned, I traveled 149 days. It's one of the things that I prioritized through the first year of the pandemic. The first year of the pandemic. We'll see how long it lasts. Um, but what I'm doing right now, Jared, so I've moved out. I'm in, I'm in my own apartment right now from May of last year. My next move, mansion. Mansion, uh, Westboro, you guys know what that means. So it's downtown. I'm renting and it's furnished and it's nine months. It's a transition. It's an upgrade. It's controlling the risk because there's a financial market right now. We don't know with inflation. There's a real estate market right now in, in, in Ottawa that's going crazy. So I'm thinking, how do I plan more short term? How do I mitigate the risk while at the same time maximizing my lifestyle? 
Because it doesn't matter if you make 100,000 or a million, your lifestyle is what winning in life is. Your happiness, your lifestyle. So uh, Jared, you know a guy, I think you may know him if I mentioned his name, but I'm not gonna mention his name. He's worth several hundred million dollars. He's on his way to starting Canada's, his second billion dollar company. He's gonna be the only person in Canada with two companies under, oh, 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 with two billion, the only person in Canada to ever found two billion dollar companies under the age of 40, under the age of 40. Okay, this is the guy. Every time I see him, he says, man, Majid, I wish I had your lifestyle. <laughs> it's it's okay. mind. doesn't matter how much money you have, like you said. Yeah. So I will tell you that I'm buying Bitcoin. I will tell you that I'm renting where I live to mitigate against the real estate, um, I think there's real estate and financial uncertainties that renting just makes your cost certain. That's it. Mm -hmm. Plus for me personally, if I can rent uh, own a house for X number of years versus rent a house for X number of years and come out the same on the other end, I'd rather be renting because I'd rather someone else worry about the property, not me. So one of the best uh, advice I got from Tim Ferriss was a good investment is something that makes your life better. And for me, owning a property doesn't make my life better than renting a property. Lifestyle. Mm. So as far as my business goes, keep it simple, keep it easy, keep it fun. This is simple, this is easy, this is fun. How do I make it more simple? How do I make it more easy? How do I make it more fun? And the point of my business is to have the impacts, which is about helping functional medicine doctors, holistic healthcare providers get more clients through better public speaking. And from a self-serving perspective, it's to fund my lifestyle and travel around the world, meet cool people. So my business is my creative expression. It's my lifestyle funding engine. It's my contribution. I don't use the word work. I use the word contribution. And that's what my vision is right now, Jared, is Baller Mansion in Westboro, travel, make a million dollars, help a lot of people, keep it simple, keep it easy, keep it fun. You know, I've never heard it put that way before. Um, your work is a lifestyle, like it, it enables your lifestyle. <clears throat> it's not- What work. else is it? Yeah. Yeah. I think- if I mean, some people build businesses to build empires. Some people build businesses to um, fund the movement and dent they wanna make in the universe. My business right now is modeled for a million dollars with a really simple schedule lifestyle based on 80 clients. Yeah, your service offerings, you don't have to have 400,000 clients. I mean, if you're selling mugs, maybe, <laughs> but if you're selling a lot more other things, yeah, you don't need that much. Let's talk about uh, words of wisdom, Ajit. You, you know, Isats, we, we've always been working, uh, promoting the small business community. So yep. let's put your small business hat on, or fedora, mm -hmm. if you will, and let's mm -hmm. talk about during these times, the small businesses, let's say the micro business, the one to three employees, who are, for the most part, uh, starving. They, they don't know what's happening. Their businesses might be shut, or those who might have a storefront. What about words of wisdom? for those small businesses during COVID? Mm. The small businesses that are starving. Those ones? Yeah. Mm. Or let's say uh, they have a storefront, they're still paying their rent, but they have no oh. traffic. They're not allowed to have traffic. Boy, this is um, it's tough. I would, 
I didn't want to be in the retail business before COVID. After COVID, where you have to do all this stuff, there's a bit of a metaphor with the frog and the boiling water. Mm -hmm. And the metaphor is that if a frog jumps into boiling water, it's hot, he jumps right back out. But if a frog sits in a pot of lukewarm water that slowly is increased to a boil, it dies because it can't tell, right? Yeah. I'm concerned for people who don't see the water boiling. The question being, if you could start your business right now, would you start that business? That's a way to uncover bias called a sunk cost bias. Yes, you've invested all this time. Yes, you've invested all this money, but do you want this business today? So if you're running a restaurant, for example, you know, in, in, uh, in Ontario, where you guys are, they just instituted this new thing. And I love watching the political language. They call it an emergency break. Boom, you pull the emergency break, shut down everything tonight. It's a new thing. And guess what? If you're a restaurant owner, you would be ignorant to think that they're not going to use an emergency break again. Mm -hmm. They have a little button at the head office in the, the Capitol called emergency break. And whoever comes in and goes, pull the emergency break. And we're all just supposed to go, oh, I guess we're shutting down our business for at least two weeks, at least two weeks. How do you plan on that? So all certainty is self-generated certainty. If you need certainty, you need to generate your own certainty. So in business, we look at risks and we look at mitigation strategies. And a real simple tool is you draw a line down the center of the screen or the center of the, <laughs> we're not drawing on paper anymore, guys. We're drawing on screens. All right, draw a line down the center of the paper. On the left side, you got risks. On the right side, you got mitigation strategies. So what are the risks? One risk is there's gonna be a lockdown again. Yeah, your business so what, do we do to, yeah. what do we do to mitigate against that? One risk is that the store catches on fire. What do we do to mitigate against that? We buy fire insurance and we get a, a fire extinguisher and we keep the candles away from the curtains. Uh, another risk is that the owner gets sick. So how do we mitigate against that? Healthy diet, healthy lifestyle, a quarterly checkup with the doctor. Okay, uh, life insurance, another risk. And so you now need to plan for risks. So I, I'm not gonna give a um, hang in there, motivational halftime speech. Although if you're looking for one, you go to Al Pacino, any given Sunday, we claw with our fingernails for that inch. That'll get you through the tough times. Guys. You know, you know, I love this machine. Um, you know, your suggestion about, you know, would you open a business in today's climate? What would you do differently than two years from now? Or sorry, two years in the past. And I think people would be probably more lean they'd be much more aware of, yeah. the, of the current climate. Let's assume you want to open up a restaurant. You got grandma's amazing cookies out there. And he's like, you want to promote this to the world. And as you know, so many people start up a, a passion, uh, a business because of the hobby that they've had, the passion. Let's say you, you, you bake these grandma cookies, but you can't open anywhere. So your mitigation would be, okay, I'm not even going to have a storefront. I'm going to sell out of my backyard. And then how would the you- Eastern Europeans- have already built this whole market. They know how this works during communism. Mm -hmm. So you want a haircut in Ottawa when all of the barbers are shot? You call your Russian buddy. You want to buy some cookies when you're not allowed to buy cookies? You call your Russian friend. So you're right. There are going to be alternative markets. Here's how I'm thinking about the situation. The immediate risk is 
the power goes out, the water doesn't work anymore, you got no food, and everybody's looking kind of thirsty and hungry. What are we doing? Well, we got to bug out. Down at that point. Actually, I haven't grabbed a lot about this the last few weeks. So people are prepping. People are getting bunkers. People know where the nearest source of fresh water is and camping, and they know how to defend themselves. These are like, this is like the base of like, what do we do when we're bugging out, right? Then there's, you know, what if I lose my job? What if I lose my source of income? Where do I go? You know, who do I call? So you got to handle all that. And personally, I'm not really doing the weapons and the martial arts and the camping gear. Like, I'll tell you right now, I'm a goner. If the power goes out and there's no water, just leave me behind. Okay, I'm dead weight. All right. Um, but from a financial perspective, I'm buying cryptocurrency. I'm looking into how to buy gold and silver. I'm thinking of my wealth in terms of not just currencies, but relationships. So who's got my back? Who's got my back if I lose my business? Who's got my back if I lose my house? Currencies, relationship, currency, my health. Well, you, currency, you know, finances. Majid, I'd love yeah. to be chatting about this. It's, it's a little off topic of our, of our chat today. Um, you know, we, I'm not trying to sound the alarm by any means, but no. Uh, okay, th let's bring uh, things back. But this is how this is how you create uh, the stability that you need when you don't know if your business can continue. You got to build your own stability and build your own certainty, emotional stability. And and that's what it is. It's starting up a business. Yeah, you have the capital, you have the resources, but it's also up here. It's the emotional component, and because a lot of us, the emotional side is missing because we're not interacting face to face. How do we counteract that? It's uh, so the wisdom, you know, I, I think as in a free market, people are going to start or close businesses at their discretion. Some are going to succeed, some aren't. I mean, the stats don't really go, you know, towards a business thing in long in length more than what five years or so. But especially during COVID, you know, so what, you know, what is how many people have adapted and pivoted to doing hand sanitizers, virtual events? You know, solving new problems. Business has always been about solving problems profitably. And I think the best question to ask in business is who can I help? Who has a problem? Because businesses need one thing. They need customers. And customers are people with problems. Businesses solve those problems. I don't think a business closing is a failure. The statistics are daunting because someone starts a business and they're doing just fine, but they get a job offer and they close the business. And that's a statistic called a failure. I think anybody who continues to operate a failing business or an unprofitable business based on the hope that things are going to go back to normal or things will get better, that's a hard business to be in. So it's easy to walk away from a bad business. It's hard to walk away from a good business that you poured your heart and soul into. But you got to take the perspective not of what have I sunk into this? But if I walked up to this today and someone wanted to hand me the keys, would I take it? Funny thing about coffee mugs. They did an experiment. They took 100 people. They gave 50 people the coffee mug. And the other 50 people, they didn't give the coffee mug. And to the 50 people who had the coffee mug, they said, how much would you sell it to me for? And the average price was $5. The other 50 people who didn't have the coffee mug, they said, see this coffee mug? How much would you buy it for? The average price was $2.50. Same coffee mug. The difference is they had a bias of, I already own this. I value it more. I want it. It's mine. And so this, you can uh, consider 
just as like all the stuff in your house. If you took it all out of your house and you said, it's all for sale, do you want it? You kind of would think a little bit differently versus it's already, I already have it. So I think you've got to do an inventory of your whole life and your business with the new reality of like, okay, it's 2021, COVID is real, the pandemic is real. What are you choosing now? And not bias yourself by how much have you poured into it already? Hmm. Well, most people who have had multiple businesses they don't look at it as a failure. It's a learning experience. I mean, you know, we could go into depth and, and I'm sure, you know, you could probably list off a dozen books of people who failed 10 times, but then they open up a Google. It doesn't matter how many times they failed. They're a success now. But to them, everything was a learning experience. And even now during COVID, yeah, okay, your businesses may or may not have been profitable over the years. You persevere, you fight through it as an entrepreneur. We are all about this tenacity. And then COVID hit. People are understanding that, oh, okay, this is the new reality now. And what am I lacking? Now's a great time to reevaluate one's business. So what matters most now? What matters most now? Who am I now? Yeah. And thinking that the world's going to go back to normal in two months, six months, two years, anybody's guess. But you, you mentioned something about help. Let's to our next question. What can the community do to help? promote, help encourage, assist small business during the time? What can the community do to assist small business? Yeah. Like, you know, we're talking about some great wisdom here. Um, is it a matter of just getting the word out? Do we actually put our money where our mouth is? Like, do we go out and, you know, helping people with sandbags? Like, do we actually get down and dirty, set share on social media, buy restaurant gift certificates? Like, do you have any thoughts? I do like the sandbag image. It's like the neighbors are out. I live here in Elmer where the, the river floods. The neighbors are out and they're helping the army scoop the bag. And we're, we're in this together and we're fighting the shared uh, concern, the encroaching water. And um, we do have this shared, this is one of the great, I think, uh, impacts of the global pandemic is we have this shared concern. Mm-hmm. Um. Speaking personally, stabilizing my own mental health, like keeping my anxiety and depression and fears about what's going to happen and all of this and just taking care of myself is the foundation of my contribution. So that's really number one. Um, what can we do to support small businesses? I There's a coffee shop right there. There's a restaurant over there. Oh, that the one you were kicked out of after half an hour? What's that? <laughs> that was the, the the coffee shop you were kicked out after 30 minutes. No, that one's in Hindenburg. <laughs> <laughs> but um, um, I just think patroning the businesses and every act of uh, purchase is an act of confidence in yourself. Because I know for me personally, at the very beginning, like I'm not an unwealthy man. I have a lot of money. And at the beginning, I was like, Batten down the hatches. We're not spending anything. Maybe nobody's going to spend any money ever again, right? And then I had to make a choice. <clears throat> there was two pe there I, I there was like two paths in front of me. One is like the lock it down, save and and bury my head in the sand until this is over or join the people that I know are doing really well, that are contributing at a really high level, that are taking huge opportunities right now, and they're spending money. Because when money moves, money moves. 
And I made a very large purchase. It was like a thing for me for like is something I wanted for a long time, but for some reason I couldn't get myself to buy it. I bought the nicest and I got to, I got to plug Steve Paver. You remember Steve Paver, the sales expert? Yeah, I think so. He sold me a massage chair. A super nice, super deluxe has to be assembled on site. Like it takes your whole, and I was like, this is what I need in the middle of a lockdown and a pandemic. I need a massage chair right now. And so by spending money and making the money move shows myself mentally, there's more where that came from. Good thing I'm rich. More money's coming. And that confidence, I think we can show our own small businesses instead of like, hoarding the money and stifling the flow, the more you spend, the more they spend, the more you spend, the more it circulates locally, that's great. Now, I'm not opposed to a good Amazon Prime delivery. I mean, I support Amazon as well. And, uh, you know, I, I, I support buying what you need where you need it. And I support small business because they're a huge part of my community. It's why I live where I live is because of the small businesses on this main street where I live here in Elmer. So shopping and showing your support. And, um, you know, I offered something, Jared, as you know, I used to do business consulting at the YMCA. I sat down for an hour with uh, a retail shop and outlined a strategy of how they can raise $100,000 for their second location. And so I'm supporting through the way that I can contribute, which in this case is business consulting. Mm -hmm. So however you can contribute, support and patron are the main ways. But I think my, my point about money mindset and confidence in the future and, and choosing whether you're going to batten down the hatches and be a scrimper and saver as though like money's never going to flow in again, or say like, I'm here to fill sandbags and contribute in a time of humanity where my skills are needed now more than ever. So that's how I'm playing the game in um, my local, local, like I'm talking local, local, hyper local. As well, you know, Tuan Nguyen, he gave me a good little nugget the other day. He said, uh, I just decided I'm going to spend all of my time with my relationships on Ottawa people. There's New York people, there's LA people, there's Toronto people, they got their people. But he's like, I'm going double down on Ottawa people. I'm doing the same. I'm all about my hyper local. My hyper local is my neighborhood. They know I've got uh, cans of tuna. If it all goes south, they know where to come for the tuna at my house. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Majid. So, so we're almost at the end. Uh, Sean, any last minute thoughts to, for Majid? Well, I just I was just thinking about what you said about your own sort of mental health and all of that stuff being such a foundation and it's so important for people because a lot of the time, I mean, historically, we sort of just put that in the back seat and focus on what we're focusing on. But now more than ever, when we're in a situation like this, it is important to look at yourself and your situation and make sure that that is good and that you are where you need to be so that then you can look to be more successful in your business or whatever it is. But without your own sort of general well-being, I mean, what you have right that's it and i work with a lot of functional medicine doctors there's this great great quote says uh um a man with his health has a thousand dreams a man without his health has only one 
Yeah, and it makes so much sense. Um, so I think, oh, I hope anyway, from all of this awfulness with the pandemic, that everybody sort of looks at themselves and their life and decide what they want rather than what they're supposed to do or what they think they should do. Or they've put, like you said, so much money and time into this business that maybe you never really was profitable. Maybe it was sort of a failure to begin with, but yeah. once you've put your sweat and tears into it, you it's it's hard to let go. What do you want now is a great question. And here's some variations. What do you want? What do you really want? What do you really, really want? And if you can have the courage to really be clear on those answers, man, I'm all about alternative lifestyle, alternative business. And one of my favorite beliefs that I have is there's no wrong way to do business. And there's no wrong way to do life. So if business was designed to help you win at life and winning at life was about your contribution in your business and its creativity, you've hit the jackpot, I think. And to live a great life, you have great years and to have great years, you get great months. Great months are made up of great weeks and great weeks have great days. And great days start with the question, what would make today the best day of my life? Well, I think that's a fantastic point to end at. Very poignant. Uh, Majid, how can somebody get in touch with you, please? Um, you can send me an email at majid at expertspeaker.com. You can get my book for free at expertspeakerbook.com. Download a PDF right now, expertspeakerbook.com. And um, I'm on social media, Majid Mogarban. Majid, thank you so much. You know, it's always a pleasure hearing from you, and especially during these times and seeing how you're living day to day. And it's just unbelievable inspiration. So uh, today we want to thank our guest speaker on the Pivoted Success podcast, Majid Malkaraban. And we wish you all the best. And on behalf of my co-host, Sean Cochran from TCC Canada, myself, Jared Goldsmith from ESACS, we wish you all the best and stay healthy. Thank you so much, everybody.